Hello and welcome everyone to KSQD Santa Cruz at 90.7 FM. I'm Jacob Sheckman and you're listening to our show, What To Be, where we interview inspiring people and highlight their careers. What To Be is a program provided by Your Future Is Our Business, a Santa Cruz County nonprofit that helps students explore careers through programs such as college and career expos, career panels, and other work-based learning activities. Please note the views and opinions expressed in this program do not necessarily represent or reflect those of Natural Bridges Media or Your Future Is Our Business. The information provided during this program does not reflect this career in its entirety. We also just wanted to let you know that for the time being, we are hosting interviews through video call and apologize in advance for any lack of audio quality. However, we're taking this opportunity to now record our interviews in front of a live audience of 8th graders today at San Lorenzo Valley Middle School. So, finally, I'd like to welcome our guest, Irvin Lemus. And he is here to talk about his career as a cybersecurity instructor, an ethical hacker, or, if you were to ask him directly, a troublemaker. So, let's get into that, Irvin. What do you mean? Tell us a little bit about all of the things that I just, whoa, well, excuse me, the, uh, the positions I just talked about. Well, uh, I teach at Cabrillo College. All the classes that I cover are the cybersecurity classes. In that realm, you tend to get in trouble all the time because you find things that either you shouldn't have found or you accidentally found or you find things that nobody else noticed and it causes alarm. So generally, I get in trouble often and that's just that's just part of the game. Yeah, part of the game. So how can you tell us how you got into this? I so uh, just a reminder for everyone listening now, Irvin has actually been he's our he's been on our guest or been on our show before. I think you're actually our first ever returning guest. So that's kind of exciting. You were with someone else oh, before, thanks. so I'm glad to have you now. And in that previous episode, you talked a little bit about about what you did and how how you can be a troublemaker and how you got into this. But can you can you remind us what was your entry into uh, we'll say the field of cybersecurity? Uh, my entry was my high school technology teacher who taught me how computers work and how to fix them and break them in the process and how computers communicate with one another. So he taught me the basics of computer repair and networking. It was a natural leap for me to go from how do I fix this to how do I break this? And that that just opened the door for me into the world of cybersecurity. What did you find when you broke things? What, what do you mean? So, for example, the very first computer I took apart was an Apple IIe, the one that was all-in-one. I took screwdrivers and flatheads and as many tools as I could, and I tore everything apart because I wanted to see what was inside. Um, and then from there, when I started taking his classes and finding out what these different parts did and how they functioned, my instant thought was, so how can I take that over? So what can I do with that? Okay. So the, the hard drive saves data. Okay, so how can I change that data? Okay, so the network card is how two computers talk to one another. So how can I see what they say? And then from th simple things like that, I just got more and more interested and I got into the field. What kind of uh, training, certification, education, What what's all... Uh, gone into this and accumulated for you to be able to do what you're doing now? I have a bachelor's degree in cybersecurity. I have a couple of certifications from the industry, like Security Plus, CYSA, CISSP, and others. 
I'm um, not sure. Th- these are industries that exist and and so sort of are, So the IT industry as in general, one one of the biggest ways that we vet our our workers is by certifications. Okay. So if you take a if you take a test, a specific a specific test, and you pass them, then nobody denies you know what you know, because all of industry backs themselves by these certifications. Uh, for example, Security Plus is one that's offered by an organization called CompTIA. So you go to a specific place, you take that test. When you pass it, then you get that certification. Again, proving you know what you know. What would you say your, let's say we're, we're in a normal world where you get to go into work. What, what kind of environment do you work in normally? Both, let's say, I'm curious, both as, as an educator and as as a, a hacker, as you've described, when trying to show companies uh, how vulnerable they are, in both a lab, okay, with multiple computers, multiple setups, uh, different environments. So in the classroom, I teach in a lab where every student either ha- brought their own computer or is using a computer that's there in the room, and we use various programs, technologies to attack, to defend, to see what happens, to put things under a microscope, to make things explode. That's, that's just what I do. In, as an ethical hacker, I have my own lab and my own infrastructure where I practice, where I test, where I experiment, where I set things on fire because I, I want to know how it works. I want to know how to break it and I want to know how to fix it. It, was this just something that's sort of innate in you? This is just your personality, or were there some things that you picked up along the way, along your growth, that uh, sort of led you along this path? Uh, teachers led me along the path. Teachers awesome. who saw who saw where where I kept I kept going towards. Teachers who saw what I liked and and gave me more info. Those are the ones who definitely led me on. Uh, but definitely a big sense of curiosity and a big imagination has has been my personal driving force. It just so happens that the teachers help drive that in the right direction. They're our guiders, our guides. Yeah. Our guiders, I don't know if that's a word. They're our guides. You uh, say no. <laughs> <laughs> now, first of all, I, I keep thinking at ethical hacker. Like what a, what a cool title. Do you have any, uh, can you give us an example or or some story of, going through the process of showing somebody that they are vulnerable do they do they know ahead of time that you're going to do that uh normally yes normally a organization or people will ask me to see what is vulnerable what they have what out of the things that they have what is vulnerable and how could somebody get in and, and how can they fix it in my early days not so much for example, in my early days, uh, a group of friends and I walked around uh, our downtown city and we, uh, with our laptops on, we sought to find any open access points, any open Wi-Fi. And the first one we found was a bank and we got in and we were able to get all the way to the teller system. So you were able to, you, were, you guys were literally walking around town. Sort of you setting. See, you, you see a, a bunch of nerds walking down the street with laptops, going, "Okay, let's see, let's see, let's see." Okay, we need to yeah. be suspicious of these people. Yeah, well. <laughs> so, so you found you found out that you were able to to get into their their teller system, which meant that you could access their actual the, the money, 
right? Exactly. And so, so what we did, so, yeah, as soon me. as we realized that, the the tone went from having fun to getting serious. Yeah. And we documented everything. You know how uh, as students, we hate reports. Well, <laughs> the report is the reason why I'm not in jail right now. <laughs> because we wrote an extensive report of what, what were we doing? How did we get in? How could somebody with malicious intent get in? And what, what could be done to fix it? And we went the next day to the bank and we showed them, we gave them the report. We gave them all of our findings. And we said, you know what? We're not, here, here's what we found. You do with it with what you will. They came back to us and asked us if we could fix it. And we, we had a little, a little six-month contract with them to fix it. And this is while you were in college? This is while I was in college. Can you can you tell us a little bit about the the contract that developed? I, I, I'm just trying to put myself back in the shoes of of a college student and wonder how I balance my my academics, my education, and then now this this is a a legitimate big well I want to say big time contract. Was this the first sort of security contract this was that one you? One of our first contracts, yeah, yeah. So we didn't get a whole lot of money. Okay, off of it. we didn't have the business. A skill to to ask for a uh, uh, for a lot of money. Sure, didn't know how to do that. We were still learning. We definitely knew our tech. Uh, so you know, we had we had a business side that we needed to learn as well. How did you learn the business side? I imagine by now you're you're probably much better off business wise and able to get a little bit more for your work, right? You you know your right. value. So how so did that, you build that, that skill? Was, that was part of college. We had business classes. And at, at that time, when that specific story happened, I had a lot of tech classes. I hadn't done a lot of the general eds. So, of course, you know, after the fact that all that all that happens and I take the business classes, then it's like, oh, that's how I could have done it. Oh, well. next time. Is it what you needed to know at the time if you had if when you got that contract to get more money, what you would have needed to know? Did you were you able to pick that up quickly? Like, do you remember since then the the one thing that would have helped you get more money, or is it is it a little bit more complicated than that? It was understanding understanding how do you value your how do you value you how do you put a money dollar to you? So your degree was specifically in cybersecurity. Is Correct. is that is that a common major, or is it that? Is- not a common major. It's slowly becoming a common major, but it is not common. And but now it's is it uh, is it a specific degree at Cabrillo College? Uh, so no, right now it's a certificate. Okay. At Cabrillo College. And what entails getting the that certificate? What courses do you go through at Cabrillo? So uh, the four main classes that you need to take is our first networking class called CIS eighty one, uh, CIS seventy five which is the first security class, uh, CIS-76, the ethical hacking class, and CIS-77, the digital forensics class. Digital forensics. Okay, that's something that stuck out from your last interview with us before. You talked about digital forensics being sort of the, uh, there's the physical side where people might go look at DNA and stuff, or the digital side where you can pull up basically anything off of a computer's hard drive or other parts that I don't know about. Yeah, if you think you deleted a file, I can bring it back. So, no, like, just reg- what you're not just talking about going into a recycling bin, I, I imagine. No, so, no, what? 
long as I have access to the disk, I can bring anything back. So that information is just always on the disk? It's just Yeah, it's always on the disk. The way that operating systems function is when you hit delete, it just takes it out of the table of contents. So if you think of it like a book, you just took the, the line out of the table of contents. The page is still there. And the information in that page, it, it didn't go away. But in the table of contents, it says that page is empty. If, if we had the concern to, to want to permanently remove a document of some kind, is there a way to do that? There are some tools that you can use to, that would go to that place where that file existed and overwrite it. Uh-huh. Uh, or there's, there are tools that will erase the entire drive all the way down to getting a hammer and smashing it. <laughs> That's the most foolproof way, I hope. Before you also talked about how your career has, has changed and that it's gotten more complicated because of what you called the Internet of Things. And I didn't know what you meant at first, but I, I, can you give us a description? What, what is the Internet of Things? The Internet of Things is things like the Nest thermometer. Okay. Alexa, Google Home, your smart toaster, your smart fridge, <laughs> things that were not connected to the Internet before that are now, like TVs. Like. So how is, when you're, when you're trying to... Uh, Man, I'm I'm not exactly sure how to phrase this. If you're setting up the security of your cyber toaster versus setting up security on on a computer, how how is that how is that different? Okay, so how's it different? Well, first off, why on earth is your smart toaster connected to the internet? I, who knows? Who knows? But if it is, there there's actually a smart toaster who you can print. Stuff on your toast. Oh my god! <laughs> okay. Look it up. There, there's a smart toaster that you can send a picture to it, and it will imprint on the toast the picture. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it is internet connected. So, the problem with Internet of Things is they don't have security in mind. Like uh -huh. that smart toaster has the functionality to print whatever you want on that piece of toast, but it has no security features whatsoever. It's like getting a house. With no no locks, you have all, all the uh, all the handles to open the doors and windows and stuff, but nothing has a single lock. Can can that super super smart internet connected toaster effectively work as an access point into your home network as well? Uh... Right, it's like a door without a lock. It's basically open. The only reason it's closed is because you've closed it, but it has no lock. Therefore, anybody can walk up turn and open wow so yes yeah, all the the more internet of thing devices you have the easier it is to get in because most of those things are, are talking to the internet directly and they're not being blocked by a firewall or other other devices that keep that information from getting yeah. out to the world so Man. a computer you have you have more flexibility because they have more more resources like more cpu resources more ram more hard drive space so you can implement more security features but something like that smart toaster i highly doubt that there's even a password to it <laughs> i couldn't even imagine i so I, i'm gonna go ahead and read a read one of our breaks here and folks we're gonna get to questions soon i i just want to point out our our teacher in the audience said he literally just unplugged unplugged his alexa until he does more research so you're we're helping already oh my gosh <laughs> alexa anyway sorry <laughs> that's okay <laughs> 
For those who are just tuning in, you're listening to What to Be at KSQD 90.7 FM Santa Cruz. I'm Jacob Sheckman, and today I'm speaking with Irvin Lemus and learning about his career journey to becoming a ethical hacker and a cybersecurity instructor at Cabrillo College. <clears throat> All right, folks, here's time for your questions. So remember, I'm the only one that sees your questions, and I guarantee you if someone if you have a question, someone else has that same question. So you're only helping yourself and everyone else out. All right, here we go. Uh, first up, can you share the most obvious security holes that you found, the ones where you're thinking, how could it possibly be this easy? Passwords. People not changing their passwords is the most obvious. What, how often should we be changing our passwords? You should be using a password manager that will make complex passwords that you don't have to remember. Because making us, us humans making passwords does not work. It's proven time and time again. There's a dictionary of the 10,000 most common passwords that I can just run on a machine and get in because people didn't use proper passwords. How long would, it, would that normally take? Seconds. Seconds. To just seconds to get your passwords. Wow. And uh, the next, um, what next question? What did you learn from setting computer parts on fire? Did you mean that literally? You did. What did you? Yeah. Okay, so yeah. What did you learn from setting computer learned, parts on fire? I, so when I did that initially, I learned that the computer is not all plastic; it's also not all metal, and uh, some pieces, some pieces uh, smell a certain way, which actually helped out later, because in a, I was in one of the jobs that I had a worker was going to stick his hand into a computer that was on and I recognized the smell of silicon burning. So I turned that thing off before he stuck his hand and electrocuted himself. Wow. Okay. So it was one of those random things that, that clicked and saved my coworker. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was a safety. There, there's lessons learned. Yeah. All right, and if if we have, um, or excuse me, uh, if you didn't get into the tech field, well, where do you think you'd be if if you didn't find this as your passion? I haven't the slightest idea. Uh, maybe uh, between music and human studies. Okay, I'm a I'm a musician, and I've done musicals because that's yeah, you know, like I like music, but it wouldn't be like my career. What instruments uh, do you play? Piano, drums, bass, guitar, oh saxophone, a bit of violin. Uh, oh my gosh! To be a versatile person, to say the least. How do you do? You think? Do you think your involvement with so many different instruments has uh, helped your cognitive ability to understand what you do better? Uh, it helps me in not only distracting me from when I get frustrated in something that I can't solve, uh, but it also has helped me in understanding that one, one thing is not enough for me. I can't, I can't focus on just packet analysis or just digital forensics. I, I like knowing various items in my realm. Yeah. So I expand my knowledge and go into, into different areas. Okay. Now, uh, we, here's another question that I, Man, I really want to know the answer to this. What what is a VPN, and does it really help with your home security? And a VPN, so how? a VPN is like being in a room of people, 
and you and another person start talking in a different language that only you and that person understand. Okay. So let's say okay. we have a room full of English speakers and two people start talking in French and nobody else understands. That's a VPN. Okay. You can clearly talk to one another, but no one else in the room knows what you're saying. And so how does that does that help you be more secure while on home? Because if you're, for example, at Starbucks Wi-Fi, uh, I can see all traffic. I can see what everybody's doing, what anybody's doing, and alter it as it goes. Now, if you're using a VPN, all I see is this nothingness. It doesn't make sense because it's encrypted. It's just like being in a room with two people talking a different language. It doesn't make sense. And you don't know what they're saying. You could try to guess, but maybe, maybe not. So I should always have my VPN on, basically. Whenever you are outside of your home network or you're using a public network, you should always use a VPN. Okay, okay. And do you, is there, do you have a VPN that you use? Or? I do. I think I've heard of people setting up their own VPN. I know that I purchased, I purchased one because um, I, I would have mm-hmm. no idea what I'm doing. Is that something you can set up on your own? Yes. Okay. Uh, my favorite one is out of DigitalOcean. They, uh, you can purchase a not well, yeah, you purchase a system for five dollars a month, and it is not only a VPN server for you, but it also has Pi-hole with it. So not only will you be safe, well, not only will your communication be secure, but also any ads and stuff will be uh, blocked. Oh well, that's nice. Yep. Is there a way for someone to de-encrypt your VPN? It is difficult. Uh, you'd have to have a lot of info ahead of time in order to do that. What sorts of info do you wait, what, I yeah. need to know where you're communicating to? I need to, I need to have the certificate that validates the connection, and I need to have a a key that goes with it in order to be able to decrypt that traffic. Are not always easy to get. Yeah, it's, it's pretty complicated. So that would have to be a very specific targeted attack. Yes. Okay. Does that sort of thing happen? I, I guess maybe at a larger uh, scale? Yes. At a larger scale, yes. Like uh like a business trying to trying to get into a business. But for the most part, you will be fine. Okay. Here's uh unrelated to security, but um I, I saw last on your last interview, you also talked about how you like to be able to in terms of what you're looking at on a on a computer or in security, you like to be able to look at the network and see what's happening on that network. Now, how can I do that at home to make my video games be faster on my network? <laughs> how can uh, yeah. I how can I look at my network to to see what's going? How can I make sure that I know what's happening on my network? Um, most routers have a thing called quality of service or QoS. You can do some googling on your on your router mm-hmm. to see if it has QoS installed and if so you could you can tell it to prioritize any and all traffic coming from your computer wow okay when your computer sends out anything it will it will have priority in getting processed in and out over everybody else do you have any 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 of your any memorable 
hacking stories outside of outside of your early one in in college is there anything um maybe a favorite project that you've worked on or maybe a competition uh well i create competitions now so all of them that that we've made are my favorites uh because the students love it the students who compete love it and the students who make it have a blast like the last one that we did we built atms from scratch <laughs> atm machines we built credit cards uh, from scratch and a, a, a device to pretend to be credit cards. What? So the competitors had to figure out what's wrong on this system and talk to people who do this for a living and show them what they found. Whereas my team had to build the whole game. That was fun. Yeah. How, now, how do your, these are students you said that helped you build this? Real college students, yes. Now, how, how do they take that? that experience, that experience of building the whole competition and game into their, their future. So they, not only was, is this a real job, but they had to learn this, the uh, in cloud infrastructure. They had to make stuff on the internet. They had to learn how ATMs function and how they communicate. So they had to replicate all of that. Uh, they had to build the device that pretends to be credit cards. So they had to learn some electronics. Uh, they had to also build the infrastructure and the documentation, uh, so they had to do a lot of reporting. So you put those just four things off the top of my head yeah, together. Yeah, which is that immense. Adds, right. That adds to the, the stuff that they can take when they go to another job. Wow, awesome. That's an incredible experience that, that you offer for them, and that's really cool. We have one more real quick here, if you can. What goes into cyber coordinating? So cyber coordinating for a disaster uh, would entail being able to work in large teams to, uh, well, number one, having a plan, uh, practicing the plan and working with others to execute it if and when something goes wrong. Like if the internet goes out, you have to have a plan and you need to, to talk to the right people to bring it back. Mm -hmm. uh, if, if some disaster happens, what do you do and how do you react and what are your steps to keep everything up and running? Okay. Or like stopping an attack. All right. We're in our last minute or so here. So if there, do you have any advice, Irvin, for our students listening now, for any future listeners uh, regarding a career in cybersecurity or anything you want to provide? So for any, any students, we have cyber competitions that uh, you can jump in. We actually have summer camps coming that are going to happen uh, June 1st. Do, all of June, we're doing uh, cyber, cyber camps. So anybody who wants to get interested, there's a place to get started. Uh, for anybody who is above the K through 12, we have college classes where you can learn everything from how computers work to cybersecurity. Where can we go to get this information in terms of So signing? for everything competition related, the website is baycyber.net. Bay cyber.net bay cyber and for all the classes cabrillo.edu cabrillo.edu all right you kids have those links if you're interested in hacking there you go yep all right folks that will conclude our show for today Irvin, thank you so much for being here i, I really appreciate that i've had a wonderful time you're welcome and thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in to today's career story I'm Jacob Sheckman, and this is our show, What to Be, with today's guest, Irvin Lemus, and learning about his career as a cybersecurity instructor and ethical hacker. 
If you have any questions or would like to share your career story with us, send us an email at whattoberadio at gmail.com. If you enjoyed our show, please join us again at 90.7 FM K-Squid Santa Cruz at 7 p.m. on Sundays, stream online at ksqd.org, or visit our website yfiob.org for more ways to listen. Thank you and see you next time.